0: If you got your Bibles out, go ahead and turn those to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 12. We're going to go there today. Let's say our declaration like we mean it. You ready? Here we go. I will constantly guard my heart and align it with God's holy word for everything that I do flows from it. Amen. All right. All right, guys, y'all over here, this section is, y'all won the most... Packed in section award this this section over here y'all gonna have to work on it a little bit next week all right I love you guys y'all are looking good today so uh, in this series uh, we're gonna start today with 1 Corinthians chapter twelve we're gonna go there in just a little bit and we're probably gonna read that whole section of scripture I don't want you to uh, your eyes to glaze over when we start reading a whole section of scripture because. You know, this is the place where uh, we need to study God's Word, dig into it, learn some things, get your... Pencil, paper, always bring something to church to write with. Even if you whip your phone out, and uh, if you're disciplined enough to not serve Facebook uh, while enduring <laughs> the message, put it, put it in your phone. But always try to take some notes. We went to an amazing uh, one-day conference this past week, and I'm telling you what, I walked away from that thing just one day, and uh, I think three speakers I walked away with about seven or eight pages of notes that God was just pouring out in me today. And so in this series that I started a few weeks ago, I actually started this on Easter Sunday. uh, And, you know, started that because it all started on that hill where Jesus died. And from that hill, he then went and, and commissioned the church, which is us on the planet, to carry out the commission of the church. while Jesus right now, who is a living human being, by the way, he is God in the fullness of flesh and spirit. He is in heaven right now performing other tasks, and he delegated his work on the earth for you and I to do. And so the very first message after that that I brought to you was There's a hill that the church has to be willing to die on. You know, the scripture talks about how the disciples, they loved their life not unto death. In other words, they did not like their lifestyle and living so much that they were not willing to sacrifice everything, even their very lives, for the call of the gospel. And so there are some hills that they were willing to die on. And most of the disciples died very very painful deaths. And they counted it joy and they counted it an honor to die for the Lord. I mean, these guys were worthy of some incredible praise because of their, their, their devotion to the Lord. And that's how we know one of, the, one of the faith truths that we know that the gospel is, is, uh, is trustworthy. Nobody's going to die. Not that many people will die for something that is not true. And so the first thing that I said that we as a church need to be willing to die on a hill that we cannot let uh, go is the truth of Scripture. Scripture. Like that's one that we cannot let go. And church, we've let it go. Many people have let it go. Some of you in this room have let it go. Some of our teenagers have let it go because it hasn't been instilled well in the first place. Now, if you're a teenager in here, this isn't beat up on Teenager Sunday or anything like that, but if the shoe fits, wear it. Put it on. Change some things. But there are some young people that do not know the Word of God because they either haven't been taught it at home, they haven't listened well in church, they haven't been in in church enough to know the Word, of God, and so they are believing things that culture is putting forth as truth that they don't know that it's not truth because they don't know the Word of God. And so, moms and dads, we've got to be having these questions about what does God's Word say about it. Not, not what CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, none of that stuff. Not what Oprah Winfrey says. Not some of these folks. What does the word of God have to say about it? That's a hill that we cannot uh, let be overtake. And I'm already telling you guys, you know I'm telling you the truth. We are living in a day and age where truth has been redefined. There are things we are having conversations about that I'm going, why are we wasting our time? We should not be discussing this. This is a truth in the word, yet culture has redefined it. Another one today that I want to talk to you about is spiritual gifts. Now, spiritual gifts, there's been a number of those to operate in our church today. Now, there are visitors here. You're our guest today, and we are glad that you are here. But a lot of times, people will pop in that they didn't do their research. And they didn't find out what kind of church we were before they came You know, that's why we have that internet, that website out there on the internet. You know, we list our beliefs, and we are unapologetically supernatural and spirit-filled. Unapologetically. We don't make apologies for being an apostolic, spirit-filled church. But a lot of times people will come in and they're like, I just thought I was going to be here for an hour and five minutes. Hear the pastor pep me up with about three points and hear me some songs that, you know, I can hear anywhere else in the world. And I was going to go home and go out to eat and get to the beach early or something like that. Well, don't ever count on that if you come here. You know, there are times if you're going to go to the beach early, you're just going to have to get up and leave. And if you want to do that, we're not going to shame you or or whatever like that. We're not going to do any of that. But when we come into this place, we're going to be spirit led. Because one of our core values is this, that we embrace and expect the supernatural. Like we embrace it, but not only do we embrace it, we expect it. Like, there are some ple- people that say, well, you know, we embrace it too. We're okay with it. We're, we're okay. But do you expect it? I heard the Lord say in my spirit, this, this uh, actually, yesterday, He said that your expectation ex- affects my manifestation. And I'm like, wow. So if I'm not expecting the Lord, He's probably not going to show up. If I don't have a desire for him. And I'm like, God, I constantly want you to be welcome. And not only like, hey, show up if you want to, God. But God, this morning at 10 o'clock, I'm going to be at Destiny Church. And I know you're going to be there too. So show up and do something that I can't do. You know what I'm saying? Now I can do some stuff for you. I can change your tire if it's flat. I can come paint your house. I can come pray for you. I can do a lot of things for you. And then there's a certain, there's a certain line where life stops at a certain point. And I can't do any more. And that's when we need God to show up. And only God can do. When, When we were in this house and Holy Spirit was unleashing angels to dispense things, there are some of those things out there I couldn't do for you. So that's why we need Holy Spirit to show up. And many times we say this around destiny. I haven't said it in a while, but we used to say it almost every Sunday. Lord, we've come today for an encounter with you. And what Whatever that looks like, we say, yes. Whatever it looks like. Because, see, a lot of times we're okay with the Lord showing up as long as He shows up how we want Him to show up. Now, Lord, you can, you can use me, but don't you make me speak in tongues. Lord, you can use me, but don't give me a word to, for somebody in this house. Now, I'll write them a note, and I'll slip it to them, you know, during the song. or you know, But don't, don't, don't do it in certain ways. Listen. When, if you want to be used of the Lord, you're going to have to just, God, use me however you want to use me. God does not show up and fit in a box. You know, God, you can show up and you can do it just like this. God is big. What if he wants to do it some other way? What if he wants to show up? And listen, why do we try to continue to reduce God to natural standards? Why do we, why do we, Why do we try to reduce a supernatural God to a natural box? He's not natural. He's supernatural. Supernatural means unnatural. Not natural, above natural, abnormal, not normal, weird if you will. Sometimes God will do some things that will weird you out. One day, may all you, my friend, you love me. You let me talk about you, won't you? One day she's over here, Jesus, she's laid out on the floor, wailing, you know, screaming over here and whatnot. And I'm like, uh-oh, some people are going to be freaked out about that a little bit. And I, I started to say, well, maybe I need to explain what's happening. Because there's nothing wrong with that. Typically, when there's a message in tongues or something like there was this morning, typically I'll, I'll explain what, what that was because a lot of people don't know what that is. And it's weird to them. I remember the first time that I came into a service. Shea was born into, uh, into the faith, you know, literally born. She was in the womb coming to church. I wasn't. I was a heathen redneck kid coming to church. These bunch of wild folks running around the room, lunatic, crazy. I thought they were. I'm serious, man. They scared me. I thought it was crazy and weird. Because they were moving at a level that I wasn't used to operating in. They were operating at a supernatural level. But at some point, I became acquainted, aware. I started studying what this meant. I started listening to what the preacher said instead of making fun of it. Man, my little sister and I, we used to make fun of people. I'd be casting devils out of her. I never did get them out, by the way. But I'd be casting devils out of her. I'd be doing all kinds of things back in the pews. You know, we'd be making fun of all the people. And God has a wonderful way of justice, doesn't he? I can imagine me and... My sister making fun, speaking in tongues. Not really, but, you know, we were just making fun of all of it. And, and I, just, I can imagine the, the, the justice on God's, you know, heart. Like, boy, if you only knew, if you only knew what I'm going to do with your life, go ahead and have your day because I'm going to have mine. You know, so I've been weirded out before. There are things that weird me out about just life in general cuz I'm not a, a, used to them but once you kind of get used to them, you know? I remember some one t- first time I ever went hunting, actually it's the first time I ever went deer hunting and it was the last. I don't know why, but it was. And you know, and they're going to smear blood all over your face. Your first kill and I'm like, "What are y'all doing?" That was weird to me. But it it's not weird to 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 the group of hunters, but it was weird to me. And then I started understanding their customs and their ways. Well, supernaturally, when you begin to get in tune with what God is doing and growing in what God is doing, you'll begin to understand some of His ways. And you won't just, you won't just embrace it and go, well, you know, I can, I can live with it. There are some people that we've known that throughout our life, Shay and I have been very close to, where the husband, he just tolerated it. I mean, the woman, she was all in. Normally, it's the woman that's all in and the man standing over here to the side somewhere. But every now and then, you'll find a man who's all in. And the woman, she's over here, you know, could care less about spiritual things. But every now and then, we would have people in our life that the wife would be so in tune with the Spirit. And her husband, he would come. And he wouldn't fight it. He would tolerate it. You know, he would embrace it, you know, a little bit. But he wouldn't expect it. He wouldn't expect him to be a part of it. And I'm telling you, at Destiny, one of our core values, whether you embrace it or not, is always going to be that we embrace the supernatural and we expect the supernatural. We're always going to make room for that. I want you to listen to this because this is the point that I really want to to bring home to you today. This is the hill that we cannot, we got to die on this hill, church. We cannot let this hill be taken by the enemy. And some churches have. The charismata, that means spiritual gifts. The charismata are crucial to the church. When Christ left the church, He created the church and left it in charge to us. He then empowered us by His Holy Spirit and then gave us supernatural gifts whereby we carry out the call and the mission. And so within a church service or out in the world, you have a toolbox with you on a regular basis that you can pull the tools out. Holy Spirit, what do I need right now? Holy Spirit may say, I'm going to give you a word for this person. Oh, okay. I'm gonna, Holy Spirit, say, I'm going to give you some wisdom to give to this person. Or I've got, I've got a word I just want you to share with them of encouragement or whatever. Or He'll give you the power to heal. He'll give you the power to heal. That's what the Word says, that, that we are the ones that heal. He'll give you the power to heal. So healing is one of the supernatural gifts. So out of the what we call nine gifts of the Spirit that are listed in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, well, there are some others that are mentioned elsewhere, administration, help, service, that kind of thing. And so those are gifts of the Spirit as well. But what happens is... Because they're supernatural, and because they're 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 not um, your average thing you see on the street, you know what I'm saying? People they get weirded out, and you will only get weirded out if you are not familiar. With the gifts of the Spirit. And you will only get weirded out if you are not. And this is going to hit somebody right between the eyes. I should have started this message off with a disclaimer. Dog, I should start every message off with a disclaimer. That if I hurt your feelings, it's not intentional. If I step on your toes, it's not intentional. But going back to my right between the eyes. If you are not intimate with Holy Spirit. In other words, if you are not walking as close friends, you will feel uncomfortable. And even when you are, there might be a tinge of uncomfortableness. But the more you submit yourself to Holy Spirit, I've had Holy Spirit to say, I want you to give this message to this person in Ruby Tuesday. I want you to pray for this person in the middle of, you know, O'Charlie's or something. And I'm like, God, are you serious? Well, as when I learned to operate in the Spirit in, you know, broad open daylight, I mean, I can prophesy you standing at Walmart cashier and nobody else would know, maybe the cashier, because she would hear us. But you can prophesy over people, it doesn't have to be weird and ugly and snotty and you know all over the place. you know we if we grew up in a Pentecostal background you you thought that everything has to just be holy ghost, it's just like a Tasmanian devil, and I, no disrespect to the Holy Spirit. you know what Tasmanian devil is you know he he, he comes in the room and he's you know you know And some people think Holy Spirit is like that. Holy Spirit is not like that. The scripture says the spirit is subject to the prophet. So control yourself and control the spirit that is inside of you. And you can can operate in public. And nobody will even know except the person that you need to be operating to. I remember I was at a college in New York City, waiting on Noah to, uh, to go through one of his entrance exams. And I'm talking to this lady, and I mean, there's like 300 people packed into this little tiny room. And, the, and they made us wait there, and you're waiting there for like six hours. And we're waiting in that room. And this lady's talking to me about her husband. And I hear Holy Spirit say, pray for that woman's husband. And I'm like, okay, Lord, when we have a break, you know, I'll pull her off to the side. The Holy Spirit says, and pray for her right now. I'm like, there's 300 people in this room. I'm not joking. There were 300 people. They told us how many was in the room that day. There was 300 people in that room. Lord, like I, I can't whisper and seven people not hear me. And the Lord said, just begin to minister to her. And I'm like, all right. In New York City, who would have thought? And I just begin to say, can I pray for your husband? And, I, you know, I'm trying to be low-key and everything, and I'm just praying, and I'm just ministering to her. And after I pray, I mean, I could hear her, She's crying, you know. And the Lord's giving me some words. As you, as you pray, it's like the faucet, you know. You turn that thing on, and it's like, you don't know what you're going to say. You start saying something, and all of a sudden, it's the Lord. Tell her this. Tell her this. Tell her this, and, you know. And I'm just talking to her, and, man, I could hear she's, she's just silently weeping and so I bring it to a close and I feel this tap on my back. <laughs> and I turn around and the lady said, can you pray for me too? I don't know what I prayed for about, but we had a little mini prayer meeting right there in the middle of Sin City, you know what I'm saying? And God was doing an amazing work and I was like, oh, this must have been what it felt like with Timothy in Ephesus, you know, oh, sexual perverted city. But a revival was happening right there in that place. And we've got to be ready to, be, to operate when Holy Spirit presents some opportunities to us. And guys, this, we, we can't let this hill be taken by the enemy. Now I'm telling you, this, is, this message is not to, meant to be beat up on other churches that don't do this. It's just a fact that there are churches that they are like, we are not going to do any of that here, I was talking with a pastor several years ago, and we were talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And so he told me in a group with several other ministers there, like, we don't, have, we don't allow the gifts like that to operate here. That kind of shocked us because we all grew up the same, you know, in the same denomination of spirit filledness. And I'm like, how does that work? You know, I really wanted to know. I've got a question. How does that work? You don't allow Holy Spirit. And his exact words to me were, well, we have three services. And if Holy Spirit speaks in one service, then he would have to speak. Hang on. Holy Spirit ain't got to do nothing. He don't have to meet your expectations. He doesn't have to, you know, jump through some hoops. Holy Spirit is Holy Spirit. He, we don't tell Him what to do. He tells us what to do last time I checked. And, and He said, we don't allow that because if He spoke in one service, He would have to speak identically in the two other services. And I said, mm, I respectfully disagree with that. Now, this is your house. This is your church. You can pastor it however you want to. I just don't think it's biblical. I don't bring my kids in. I only have two, but let's just say I had eight. I don't bring them in to get a message across to Noah. Now, Noah, uh, or, or bring them all in and say, um, now, I just need all of y'all to hear this, Okay. Noah, take the trash out when you're supposed to. Everybody's dismissed. If I only need to say it to Noah, it ain't none of the other's business because it's not his responsibility. Does that make sense? Holy Spirit can speak how Holy Spirit chooses to do. But I'm telling you, that is a, that's a pretty answer to it weirds people out and we're just not going to let it happen here. I'm telling you, I've heard those words come out of the mat- mouths of pastors who were raised under the anointing and outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I cannot operate that way. If that's the way others want to operate, I will not allow it. I have had people... And listen, I know some of y'all get upset with... Pastor, I just have a problem with you saying all these stories. Well, listen, go and tear out about every single page of your Bible. You understand that the reason that First and Second Corinthians are written... Because it had so many problems. And you understand... Paul called them by name. He's like, well, you know, uh, Hymenaeus. Oh, did he just call his name? Oh, my God. Because everybody knew who Hymenaeus was. And who was the other one? Hymenaeus and... Begin with a D. Demetrius or somebody like that. He's like, you know they deserted me, right? You know they've abandoned the faith. Preacher, I just believe you shouldn't have used their name. You shouldn't have even use that example in church because everybody knew who you were talking. Listen, everybody in the first century church knew. Not only did they knew that, know that, Paul brings up some old folks. He says, like, he's like, they did the same exact thing that Janice and Jambres did to Moses. Half, well, not half, the majority of the, of the word is written for correction. And he's using real life examples of correction that happen. You know, at least we don't use people's names. Well, I used Mayola's earlier, but I, you know, I did ask her and put her on the spot if I could. But you know, We've, I've had people to say, Pastor Rife, like in this church, I've had people to tell me, Pastor Rife, you are not going to build a church. Y'all have heard me say this before. Pastor Rife, you are not going to build a church by letting this happen. Like, l- let me, all right, this is real life teaching time, okay? So a few minutes ago, uh, somehow, um, Alan got the microphone. Well, I don't know how he got the microphone. I had my eyes closed. But somehow he got the microphone. And I don't know if he asked somebody or, or not. But the point is, is that he had a word. He came and gave it. But there's a little history, a lot, as a matter of fact. I was his youth pastor. He served on our staff at one point. He now is part of our church family. He's part of the kingdom family. You know, there's a lot of history that goes there. So when I hear his voice, I don't freak out because I trust him. And if he's out of line, he knows what's going to happen. I'm going to correct him And because we are like that. But, you know, the thing is, is that that is how the Spirit operates. And I've had people to tell me, that stuff like that happened today, the prophetic word, what was it, two Sundays ago, there were three tongues in interpretation. I've never seen that in my life in this church. That's weird, guys. That's unnatural. That's supernatural. That's supernatural. And I've had people to tell me, Pastor Rife, you will not grow a church that way. People aren't going to come to that. And I've had them say this. And I want y'all to help me rebuke this lie. And I want y'all to help me rebuke this curse. Because sometimes Christian people curse. I don't mean four-letter word curse. They do that sometimes too. But they will speak a curse. And I've heard them say, You will not win young people to this church if you allow that to happen. You will, not allow, you will not win young people because they don't want that. That's, that is literally a curse that was, was pronounced over our church by a Christian. And here's what I'm saying to that kind of stuff. That is the pervasive mindset of what we call church today, which is we placate to people. We are a consumer nation. So we are a consumer church, and that is not God's model for the church. The church is not here, you know, to minister to the needs of the people. And yes, needs are met, but they're met through supernatural stuff like happened this morning. And there are people that they do not want this kind of thing to happen. But I'm here to suggest to you what's on the screen behind me. And if you're watching at the bottom of your screen, that charismata, the spiritual gifts, are crucial for the church. When God is moving in a church, the church is going to grow. I don't know what pace it's going to grow, but it's going to grow. It's going to grow both in number and it's going to grow in depth, in knowledge, in understanding, in maturity. The the Greek word charismata is where we get our uh, word for uh, charisma, charismatic. And what's sad, guys, listen to me. What is sad is that the church in so many places has... Changed the charisma of a human for the charisma of the Holy Spirit. Are you following me? Like, how well the guy up front can speak. How well the guy up front uh, can can carry himself and impress you. We... how many cute little points we can make and all of these things and whatever illustrations we can have and if I can ride a Harley Davidson up on the stage and make a point and I don't have a problem with any of that. But when that becomes more important than Holy Spirit operating in the gifts of the Spirit than church, we've got a problem. I'm telling you what, this, this scripture for, from uh, Judges... Chapter 2, verse 10 has been on my heart recently. And it says that after Joshua died, Joshua and all the elders died. And the scripture says, and I'm paraphrasing. It says, and there arose another generation who knew not God or the awesome wonders and works that he did. That scripture has been on my heart because I'm like, you know what? We've got to have some charismatic times, some charismata flowing in the body so that young people can understand there is a God who is bigger than the guy or the woman on stage. There is a God that is bigger than than the amazing musicians on stage. That there's a God who can step in at any time He wants to and do whatever He wants to by any means That he wants to. We need young people to see those times, to experience those kinds of times. That's why, and I'm listening, I'm I'm speaking, and I've got our youth pastor and children's pastor in the same room today. That's why it's so important that what happens in this room happens in youth group. That's why it's so important that what happens in this room happens in children's church because they've got to see the power of the Holy Ghost. Well, preacher, they just kids. They don't understand that. Listen, my wife and I used to travel and uh, and do youth camps with children and, and young people, and I had seen kids five six seven eight years old slain under the power of the holy spirit baptized in the power of the holy spirit our young uh, child four years old came and asked us about the baptism of the holy spirit and i saw her with my own two eyes and i knew that neither her mother nor myself encouraged her or coached her and i saw her baptized at four years of age in the power of the holy spirit sitting in our bedroom in atlanta georgia on Brushy Creek Drive and I looked and I'm like surely there's a God there's a God because that happened without us no coaching what she had seen she had learned it because she observed it she had learned it because it was taught to her at an early age and I'm just afraid maybe that's a terrible way to say it but I'm just afraid that we are raising a generation as a nation meaning the church that is going to grow up, and they don't know God or His ways. We have got to raise a generation of Holy Spirit-filled, prophesying, word-giving, hands laying on, uh, speak a prophetic word, give a message in tongues, interpretation, uh, see miracles, signs, and wonders. We've got to raise that generation up. And if you are a young person in this room today... Don't die. Don't die. As a matter of fact, if you are going to die, die protecting this thing. For for, For the sake of the church, do not let spiritual gifts die on your watch. My children, they both were raised in it. What they do with it when they get grown, I am not in charge of. But while you're in my house, under my roof, you are going to know about the power of God. You are going to see the power of God displayed. You are going to hear about it. You're going to hear Daddy speaking in tongues. You're going to hear Daddy prophesy. They got tired of going to Walmart with me because I'm always ministering or talking to somebody or whatnot. But they, they cannot say that they didn't know about it. What they do with it once they get grown is their business. But I'm here to tell you, we have got to stand on this mountain and protect it. Because there are too many that are just laying down and letting the, the, the enemy run right over this. Paul said to Timothy in chapter, 2 Timothy, I think it's chapter 3. But he said, Timothy, in the last days, this is what it's going to look like. And I'm telling you, man, if you go look at that and you go, Jesus, he was spot on with that prophetic word. He said, Timothy, in the last days, this is what it's going to look like. It's going to look like this, 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 and this. And in one of those verses, he says, there's going to be people who have a form of religion. They have a form of godliness. In other words, their outward appearance, they look godly. But they deny the power that comes with it. They deny the power that comes from true uh, faith. So on the outside, they and there's several times in Scripture where God shows us what happens when you try to address the devil without power. And I used to have people to tell me all the time, Preacher, you give the devil too much power. Because I'll tell the people, Hey, the devil's powerful. He's a formidable foe. Don't you think for a second... You're going to be able to slink up to the devil and just go, Well, I think I'll just whip some devil tail today. You know, I'm just going to... You better be prayed up. You better be walking with Jesus. You better know what devil you're going up against before you call him out. Because you might, you might call one of those little devils out, but the scripture says that there are devils at, at, uh, at different echelons. That, that, that they are at different tiers. Just like in the military, you got the lowest all the way up to the general. In the supernatural realm, you got some demons that they're just the go-to people. And then you have some that are principalities. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. Rulers, authorities, and principalities like over regions. You ain't going to slink up. You know, wake up out of bed, you ain't prayed in 18 months, and you're going to slander up to a, well, I got the Holy Ghost in me, I think I'm fixing to take on the whole principality of Southeast. He will wipe the floor with your tail, leave you snotty and butt-naked. How do I know that stuff? Well, read Acts chapter 19. The old boys of seven sons of the high priest, they thought they would do that. And that devil whooped them naked. They let, were running towards the hills. The disciples, they went out and tried to cast them out. And the disciples came back and said, it didn't work for us. And he said, well, what were you doing? Y'all know the story. What, how did y'all do it? Well, we did this, that. Oh, you boys, y'all tried to tackle the big one. Oh, that kind. That kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. There's some that will come out just with prayer, but some you got to fast to get those jokers out. So when we're looking at this, we go, we've got to have a church that is powerful. That we don't just look religious on the outside. Listen, you ain't even got to start explaining who you are to the devil. Because he already knows who you are before you walked up. He can smell the aroma of the fragrance of his presence. He can smell you. He knows if the anointing is on you. As a matter of fact, you won't have to tell the devil who you are. The devil will actually tell you who you are. Just like they did when Jesus, Jesus oh my God, son of David, have mercy on us. They knew who he was, started backing up. You'll, you'll meet people, and listen, I ain't trying to brag. Please hear me, hear me, hear me. I'm not trying to brag. But I have been in places and devils just find me somehow. And they will all of a sudden start manifesting right in the store. In front of me. And that only comes as you draw closer to him. And I hope you understand that story. I'm not trying to puff myself up. I'm just trying to tell you real life examples. The closer you draw to him... That stuff will start happening to you. First few times it started happening, I didn't know. I just thought they were crazy people. And the Holy Spirit said they're demonic. They're, dep- they're oppressed. They're depressed uh, and, and possessed. And they got all this stuff going on in them. And your presence, because you carry me so well, your presence offends their senses. It offends their nostrils. They're just, and all of a sudden they'll begin to manifest, and you're like, "Man, I just, I wanted to come buy some oranges. That's all I wanted to do. I wasn't even looking for you." But when you operate in the spiritual gifts, so look, I gotta begin to wrap this thing up. I want you to understand, we cannot downplay it. Destiny is always going to be a church that we're going to make room for Holy Spirit. Because, listen to me, Holy Spirit always has better things to say than Pastor Rife has to say. Always. Holy Spirit is always more powerful than every single one of us in here squished up together. He's always more powerful. Holy Spirit always knows there's times in my in, that I'm like I don't know what to do right here so let's just stop and wait and see if Holy Spirit what he says to do next Holy Spirit is never wondering that he knows exactly what to do so that's why we make time for him in our services in our times of celebration but this is what the scripture says in first Corinthians chapter 12 now for let me tell you I don't have this on the screen or anywhere, but 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14 go together. Those three, we've divided them out, but you understand, Paul's just writing one letter. He's not thinking that 2,000 years later, somebody's going to chop it up to a bunch of sections for the church to read. He's just writing it as a letter to Corinth. But chapters 12, 13, and 14 all deal with the spiritual gifts Chapter 12, he lays out what the gifts are. Chapter 13 is the love chapter. He says, this is how you're supposed to operate in all of those. And chapter uh, 13 is the order chapter. He's like, hey, you can do all that, and you, but y'all have to do it in order. And I grew up, and I didn't know anything about that, because it was always chaos and disorder, you know? And... I thought that it was supposed to be mass confusion. I didn't know that there was supposed to be order because I wasn't taught that until I got into it and started studying. And there are times where, you know, the Holy Spirit, as He's operating, there are times that certain things are appropriate and certain things are not appropriate. And if you ever get corrected by a man of God or a woman of God, don't get offended. Don't get offended. That leader is just saying, hey, I'm in tune with the Lord. And this, if you'll just hold that, if you'll just hold that. And if I, can I just give you another little mini sermon right here? I'm going to do it anyway. When the Lord gives you something, it does not mean that you have to give it in the service. Just because, if the Lord gives you, write it down, write it down. Because everything that the Lord gives you does not mean that that's what he's doing right now corporately. He might just be doing it in you or might be speaking something to you for a different time or for further, you know, revelation later. But it doesn't mean that we have to do it right now. And because, you know, we've been taught wrongly, you know, we we think everything's got to happen right now. I got to get past your word. Now, it also doesn't mean that if God gives it to you that you shouldn't. Test it. Ask Holy Spirit what you're supposed to do with it. Because, you know, there are times when it's like, yeah, that's that's just not what God's doing right now. This is powerful. But we've been taught that, like, you know, a word written down is not as powerful as one that's shared in service. Well, if that was true, we had never read Scripture. Because all of this happened before we got here, thousands of years before. And it's every bit as powerful as the day it happened. So the Lord may give you something that he's, that he's released into you, but the power, the dunamis power that's going to be released from it is not in that moment, but it might be three days down the line or it might be somewhere else. So I hope some of that makes sense to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says this. He says, now dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities, the Greek word for there, that is charismata. Regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. So what's happened is they've written... Paul, and they said, we got some questions about the spiritual gifts. It's a nightmare at our church, man. People are standing up. They're speaking over each other. The women won't shut up. I mean, you know, they're asking questions in the middle of service. I mean, it's it's a chaos. And Paul's like, I just need to write some (laughs) instructions for y'all of how these things operate. Now, he's going to do that in chapter 14. We're in chapter 12, all right? So he's addressing their questions and he says, You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along by worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And in verse 4 he says there are different kinds of charismata. There's different kinds of spiritual gifts. But it's the same source From all of them. So there's a bunch of them, but where are they coming from? Just one source. That source is Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but we all serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. And he says in verse 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of us. How many of us? Each of us. How many of us are left out? None of us. Every single person in this room, Holy Spirit, has a gift or gifts available for you if you will take it he says to one person the spirit gives the spirit of wise advice to another the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge the same spirit gives great faith to another and someone else he gives the gift of healing He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. And still another person is given the ability in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what's being said. It's the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have so real quick recap what he said there he said you've got some questions here are the gifts there's one spirit that gives to everybody and no one is left out so everybody is a part of the mission of God on planet earth then in verse 12 um, I'm gonna just paraphrase this for you from verse 12 to verse 26 he says now the, the body of Christ is made up of many members. It's like your body. You got a pinky. You got an eye. You got an ear. You got a mouth. They all work together to become the person you are. But I cannot eat, eat with my pinky. I can't do it. The pinky is the only one that can do that. But I also, you know, I can't hear with my mouth. The ear is the only one that can do that. And he's saying that that's why nobody in the gifts of who operate in the gifts of the spirit is more important than someone else. The lady who gave a prophetic word today is, you know, oh my God, I want to be used like that one day. That's amazing. Hey, listen, she ain't no more special. She is special. But she's no more special than the guy who's using his gift right there to serve. In the body of Christ, we need all of that. And so that's what he's saying right there. So in verse um, 27, he says, All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. And here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles. Now, gifts of the Spirit he gave... He's giving you some more gifts. How do I know these are gifts? Because you, you can't just read a few verses of Scripture. you got to read the Bible as a whole. Well, over in, first, uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, and these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. And he's listing these same gifts right here. He said, first are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles. When he says first, second, and third, it doesn't mean one of those is more important than the other. He's talking about orders of operation. Apostles are people who dig things out, set things up. Well, you know, if you if you just start doing something, um, it's chaotic. You got to have structure and order and things put together. And God said this this that's why that one comes first. He's not more important. It's just that's the first part of the ingredients. And so he says. Um, Those who have the gifts of healing, who can help others, who have the gift of leadership, and those who speak in unknown tongues. He says, are we all apostles? No. Prophets, teachers, do we all have the power of miracles? He goes down through there. And he he speaks all of these. And I want you to look at this last... uh, I want you to look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He says, so my dear brothers and sisters, be eager, be eager. Like, you know what eager means, right? Like, ooh, I can't wait. Be eager to prophesy. And he says, do not forbid the gift of speaking in tongues. So this right here is enough for me to say to pastors of today's churches everywhere. Guys, Prophecy ought to be happening in every church gathering that we get together like this. If the Lord wants to speak in tongues, by all means, don't shut that down. Don't stop it. He says in verse 40, but be sure that everything is done properly and in order. In other words, there's an order to do this. Like you can't have multiple people speaking in tongues and trying to give a message. We can only, you know, you can't have multiple people. You can't even do that in regular English. Like, hey, I can't hear all y'all at once. One at a time. And that's that's what the Spirit is saying through Paul. I want you to look at this one. He says to the church at Thessalonica, he says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. In another version, it says, don't quench. Don't stifle the Holy Spirit. Don't scoff at prophecies. Man, I used to scoff and make fun of prophecies. Until I understood what God was doing. He said, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Hold on to what is good. See, some people have thrown the baby out with the bathwater. Man, I'm, we just don't do that because it's weird. And people abuse it. Yes, they do. And if they didn't abuse it, we wouldn't even have First and Second Corinthians in the Bible. Because that's one of the major reasons Paul wrote that letter is because people were abusing the gifts of the Spirit. And Paul, I'm so glad it wasn't a little brief letter that said, hey, y'all a bunch of crazy nutcases. Y'all couldn't act right if you tried. I'm shutting this baby down. We're done. No more of that. We're never again we're not doing that because y'all don't know how to act. He he acted as a beautiful spiritual father that said, Hey, y'all are a little bit off topic, off off target. You're out of alignment with what Holy Spirit. And we know this is new. It wasn't like Holy Spirit gave these to us too far back. You know, we've had thousands of years to learn. But they were learning in real time. And he said, I'm just going to give you some instructions to tweak things a bit, to bring some order to this because we're not going to throw away the charismata because without the charismata, you might as well have a car that's not even filled with gas. It's useless. The gifts of the Spirit are what make the church go. And so he says, don't stifle it. Don't stop it. There are times when Holy Spirit is doing some things, and I'm like, as a pastor, I don't know what's happening. The older you get, I'm, the most seasoned preacher would tell you this. I've been in ministry for 30 years. But the older you get, the more you sort of understand and know, but there's not a minister on the planet and I believe if I ever met that one, I'd probably walk out from under his covering the day he said, I would know exactly what to do and how to handle it in every situation. Because I'm telling you, Holy Spirit is deeper than I will ever be. He's wider than I will ever be. He's more knowledgeable than I will ever be. And there are times I just don't know what to do. But I'm not going to shut it down so that I can look like I know I'd rather be made looking a fool and follow Jesus. And so I'm just telling you, at Destiny, we've got to be willing to say, Pastor Rife, I'm with you. We will never let the enemy take this hill from us. Because this is one of our mountains that, as a church. We embrace it and we expect the supernatural. I'm going to tell you five quick ways that you can quench the Holy Spirit. If you don't know if you've ever quenched the Holy Spirit, let me just answer it for you. You have. I have and you have. I've quenched the Holy Spirit so many times in my life. The first few times that I did it was due to fear and lack of understanding. As I became a minister, and whether y'all know it or not, whether you mean to or not, you put a lot of pressure on pastors and leaders to know everything and get everything right all the time. Whether you intend to or not, you do. And so we operate many times under extreme pressure to go, man, i got to have my act together. Woo, I'm so glad that I just became a fool for Jesus a long time ago. And it's like, you know what, I just don't mind looking stupid anymore. I'm just okay with that. And so I don't know. I don't have to know how to do everything and and have an answer for everything. But in my early days of ministry, that expectation, and not only church people put that on us, but people who mentored me put that on me. And so I could never not look like I wasn't in control. And when God started going off rails and you start, "Uh uh-oh, what's going on here? And it's like, I don't know what that is. Let's just bring it to a close. You know what I'm saying? And so that's a way of quenching Holy Spirit. Look at these. If you depend on a source other than Holy Spirit, you might be quenching the Spirit in your life. Whether that's other wisdom, other advice whatever if there's a source that you're depending on well this is my job this is my job i gotta have this job listen i'm not telling you anything i haven't lived out i have walked away from a job not knowing where my next job is because i knew holy spirit was leading me away from some, from that and all of those natural things kick in like oh how are you going to do this how, where's insurance going to come from you know where's all this going to come from listen that's not my source My job is not my source. He's my source. So don't depend on anything other than Holy Spirit. You might hold a cessationist point of view about Holy Spirit. So what a cessationist is, it just means that there is a group of people and denominations that fall within the mindset, the teaching, that... The gifts of the Spirit were only for the original 12 apostles. And after they died, those gifts died with them. And, and that was that's no longer necessary for today's church. Like today's church doesn't need healing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like today's word doesn't need encouragement because the gift of prophecy is for the purpose of encouragement. Like we don't need encouragement. You know, we don't need building up or any of that. Well, if if he if if it stops with that with the apostles, then Ephesians chapter 4, that means we no longer have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors or teachers. And people will come up with some kooky ways to explain their beliefs. Like, okay, so let's go down that train of thought for a moment. Let's just say the gifts were stopped with the original 12 disciples, apostles. But then over here, you've got in Ephesians chapter 4 that says, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the edifying of the church, and that will continue until the day we are all in such unity. You know, well, that ain't happened yet. So if those are still in operation... But these passed away. Do you see how it starts causing scripture to conflict? That's why you have to use the scripture and rightly divide it and teach the whole counsel of scripture. And so if you hold a cessationist point of view, you know what I've I've come to understand about cessationists? It's like, honestly, it's just a cute theological way for you to feel good about not being uncomfortable letting God be in control and you not be in control it's just a really theological way for you to sum that up and it's totally not biblical the last three are this exalt human ways and wisdom over gods exalt human ways and wisdom over gods well I just you know I know like this is better well you're not God you're not God You know, his word says God's ways are higher than our ways and his ways are not our ways. And so he's tapped into something that you and I aren't tapped into. And so if we begin to go, hey, this is out of my level of understanding. Let me bring this down. No, you're going the wrong direction, my friend. You always should be looking up and saying, God, I don't understand it, but I trust you. I just trust you. I don't understand it. Because here's the problem. These are faith killers. When you start trying to to bring God down to your level, he's not going to fit in that box. There's going to be pieces of him left over. There's too much of him to fit in that, and it's going to begin to blow your mind, and it's going to begin to discourage you, and the enemy's going to begin to lie to you, and before you know it, you're going to lose faith. When it's so much more liberating and free to say, God, just do what you want the way you want to do it these last two things, is if leadership resists or refuses to allow the Holy Spirit to operate, I'm just not going to be that person and you shouldn't be that person either. Let Holy Spirit do what He wants to do. He can accomplish more in a minute than you and I could in a month of Sundays. And then the last thing is this. By personally resisting Holy Spirit, that's a way that you can quench the Spirit. I had somebody to tell me one time, you know, well, the person up front said, you know, let's raise our hands, you know, and, and praise the Lord. And I just didn't feel like raising, I didn't feel it, you know. I was looking for Holy Spirit. And I'm like, Holy Spirit, I already told you, it's in here. It's in here. And you also don't have an understanding of the man of God either. If the man of God asks you to raise your hands, put your hands in the air. Why? You know? Because he's the man of God, and he's if, if he's under the direction of Holy Spirit and, it's, and he's not asking you to do something unbiblical, it's actually biblical and pleases the Lord. Like just do it, because it fosters in, and somebody could be looking at you like a 15-year-old rife could be looking at you going, "I just I would like to raise my hands, but I don't want to be the only one." And oh, when I, one day I was get, trying to get the courage up, and I saw a few hands going up, and I'm like, "Hey, I ain't the only one." So there's a purpose in doing stuff like this. There's a purpose in clapping, there's a purpose in shouting. There's a purpose in these things. and sometimes we will quench the spirit. God wanted to move. But there weren't people that were willing to just operate in the, in, in the Scripture. Well, I was waiting for God's voice. God's voice, if you were reading the Word, you, He's already spoken to you. God's not going to speak to us every time when we come into this room. Hey, raise your hands. This be a good time to clap. Hey, just say amen right, right here, right here, right. Oh, you missed it, man. No, just do it because Holy Spirit has already spoken it in his word. And I'm begging you. And Paul begged people. He's like, brothers and sisters, I beseech you. In other words, I beg you. Like, I beg you. Like, begin to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit wherever it's coming from. Whether it's here. Like, you could walk into the service and already have a ton of cues from Holy Spirit. I don't have to tell you anything. The leaders up here don't have to tell you anything. Holy Spirit doesn't have to make your heart beat fast or the uh, the hair stand up on the back of your neck to tell you. You've already come into the building with a bunch of cues right here. And then the second time, Holy Spirit might be leading you through somebody up here and just follow the cues. And then when you're standing out there, Holy Spirit might say to you, the lady in front of you needs to hear that everything's gonna be okay. Tap her on the shoulder, and if he does that, but past, what if I'm wrong, or what if I listen? All those thoughts will go through your head, but I promise you, when you get to the place where you go, I'm just gonna do what God said. And can I can I tell you a couple of more things? I promise, I know y'all want to go. Can I tell you a couple of more things? Because when Holy Spirit begins to talk to you, you're gonna. I did it today. And I had to correct myself. When Holy Spirit gave me that vision about the angels and the opening of the curtain and everything, I said, this is going to sound crazy. And I, and I literally said, I'm sorry, I take that back. Because what we want to do is we want to dumb it down, and we want to like, we wanna say, hey, this is going to sound strange. Train yourself. It will come with training. Train yourself not to say those things. You may think them, but don't prophesy it out of your mouth. Like, this is going to sound strange. But, and, and you're probably going to catch me. I'm still trying to train myself not to do that. Just say what Holy Spirit said. The scripture says Jesus did what Holy Spirit, did it, what it, he saw his father do. And he said what his father said to say. And, and like, just say what God says. And don't worry if it's weird or not. The person, most of the time, is going to understand. There was a time I was standing right back there, and I started talking to this lady, and, and I started seeing butterflies in the spirit. And I just saw butterflies everywhere. And I started it off with that comment, this is going to sound weird, but I see butterflies all around you. Dude, she about collapsed. And I'm like, it didn't have that effect on me. I thought it was weird. But it had an effect on her because, see, the minute I said butterfly, God had already been speaking and gave her a vision of a butterfly. And, and when I said that, I said, I see butterflies all around you. As soon as I said that, do you know what that one thing that I thought, well, this is going to sound weird. I'm probably going to turn you off. No, it caught her attention. And she was glued. She, ha- God, had her attention. Now, it's like, you had me at butterfly. Everything you say now, I know it's God because I've never met you in my life, and this is what you say. And, that, and, and it was just a beautiful time. So don't apologize for your word. Don't try to, I, I used to try to pretty it up and preface it with all kinds of things and man's wisdom. And I just learned that I screw it up most of the time anyway while I'm trying to mess it up uh, or, or clean it up. And I'm like, just say it. Get it out. Let Holy Spirit do whatever he wants to with it. And like, well, what if it don't happen? To, that ain't none of your business. You just do what your part and God will do his part. So just walk away. All right. How do I apply it, Pastor Rife? This is how. Say this with me out loud. Charismata, spiritual gifts are crucial for the church. How do I apply this word, Pastor Rife? Three ways. Receive the gift. He said, you heard him. It wasn't my words. It was his word. Receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit receive them which one just receive first anyone anyone that he chooses to use and listen don't ever go well he's got the gift of prophecy and she's got the gift of that well they only have they, yeah they have it but Holy Spirit will activate it at different times you in different gifts that you need I don't just go around prophesying to everybody all day Some, sometimes he uses me in a different gift but he'll let you know what gift study the gifts Like, don't take my word for everything. Go and study the gifts. Begin to make yourself available. Study the gifts. Find out what what the gifts of the Spirit are all about. And then, submit yourself to Holy Spirit to be used. Just say it like this. I remember I was about 16 years old. And I said, God, I want to be used by you. I I want to receive the gifts of the Spirit. I, just, I didn't know anything about. i only been saved a year. But I knew God had something in these great giants of the church who were powerful prayer warriors. And I'm like, God, I want you to use me. I know I'm ignorant. I've only been saved a year. I don't know a whole lot. But I want you to use me. I want to be used by you. And it, And it was such from a humble place. It wasn't like, God, make me a superstar preacher one day. Give me all those things so I can, you know, be on TV one day. It truly was. I mean, I was just as 16-year-old humble as I could be. said, Lord, I want to be used by you. I want to be a blessing to people. I want to be your servant. I'm telling you what, when you do those things, God will say, all right, it's there. Receive it. Did I get it? Yeah, you got it. You might not get it activated until you're in the line at Walmart behind a lady that needs to hear it. Are you following me? Or on the phone with your best friend who's called and they're about to just give it give it all up. Holy Spirit activates it.